Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and your questions. I'd like always welcome after another busy week of European action. We're going to come to tonight, of course. Um, a look back upon those and Chelsea's uh, impressive result um, in Seville against Porto. Um, Man City also appear to have done the hard work, maybe, but Liverpool have it all to do against Real Madrid in the return. We'll assess their chances as well as looking forward to the Premier League action um, this uh, weekend and delighted to be in the company of um, Double Crossing. Jeremy Cross, Chief Sports Writer of the Daily Star, Andy Dunn, my colleague and Chief Sports Writer of the Daily Mirror, and Matt Dunn, a football aficionado at the Daily Express. Guys, um, nice to see you all. And uh, it's it's been a busy week, isn't it? Let's, um, let's start, though, shall we, about looking at Chelsea. Now, we're all watching on last night, really. I mean, it was a hell of a response to their thrashing by West Brom at the weekend. Training ground, you know, bust-ups as well. Uh, what response, really? It's an impressive result, I think, Jeremy, wasn't it? That basically, the, uh, you know, big response from Thomas Tuchel and his players, really. Um, I don't think we should take Porto lightly, but they've, they've really taken a big step towards the semi-finals, haven't they? Yeah, look, it was, it was a great way to bounce back from what was... A, a tough few days for, for Tuchel. You know, his halo slipped slightly. First bump in the road with that shocking 5-2, smashing by West Brom. Obviously, I mean, they had a player sent off, obviously, but that's no excuse for conceding five goals to a West Brom team, which most people think will get relegated this season. So, and Porto, you know, I know there was the stories doing the rounds about some Chelsea players cheering when they drew Porto in the quarterfinals, which is a bit disrespectful to a team that won, um, beat Juventus in the previous round, which is no mean feat. So, mm. you know, uh, and, and up until this week, they were the only team to score a goal against Manchester City in the comp- whole competition this season. So, you know, they're no mugs, a well-organised team. That's basically a backline of six when they're defending. And they started pretty well, Porto, I thought. They... They'd be the better side for the first half an hour. They had a few half chances. Chelsea struggled to get into the stride a bit and you thought, hmm, there might be a hangover here from obviously the result against the Baggies and the training ground incident was probably the best player on the pitch. Um, they played with some width to try and stretch Porto. I thought Reese James played really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night, Ben Chilwell scored the second goal late on. So it was, a, it was a comfortable win in the end. It may have flattered them a little bit. And look, when you watch Chelsea... They are not. They're not a wonderful team to watch. Let's be honest. They're not the great attackers. They're not like a Man City or a Liverpool were last season. So you know, but but you you can't argue with the results. They've only lost one game um, under Tuchel. They're in the, what one foot in the semi-finals now. They're the second favourites with the bookies to go on and win it, and I think they've got a genuine chance of um, going to the final. And anything can happen then. So look, they're well organised. They're disciplined, and they're, everyone knows their role. And they they did a professional job on Porto. Yeah, Andy, you took on an ambitious project last night. Yeah, writing about writing about Edouard Mendy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who, who frankly didn't have too much to do, even though Chelsea were under quite didn't. a lot of pressure, didn't they? weren't they really? Yeah, <laughs> he, he didn't have too much to do. I mean, he he, he kept out in the swinging corner, which you know um, you would expect him to. If he doesn't, then you really are in trouble, with your goalkeeper. He saved a header from Pepe and he made one decent save second half. The point, probably the broader point that I was making is that 
know, the West Ham aberration apart, in uh, West Brom aberration apart, sorry, Freudian slip, uh, the West Brom aberration apart, um, and, you know, you would include Mendy. Now, he wasn't exactly, mm. he didn't exactly quit himself brilliantly against West Brom. Um, apart from that, though, over the whole piece, you would say that, you know, Mendy's influence on that team, this was the point of the piece, has been maybe undervalued. You know, he's, he's got a fantastic record. And, and again, the point was that last night was um, um, his eighth Champions League game for Chelsea and it's his seventh clean sheet. You know, he's conceded one goal in eight Champions League games for Chelsea. Now, clearly, that a lot to do with, a lot to do with that is, is a very well-organised defensive um, approach to the game from Chelsea, as it was last night. You know, I thought they defended excellently last night, even though they were under a bit of pressure. They pretty much kept Porto at arm's length, hence Mendy didn't have a great deal to do. But you still can't take it away from a goalkeeper um, when he keeps seven out of eight clean sheets in the Champions League. And when, apart from the, the West Brom game, you know, his record in the Premier League is excellent. I mean, off the mm. top of my head, I think it's 25 mm. Premier League games played and 21 goals conceded. I mean, and if you take that West Brom out of it, that's 16 and 20, you know, and, 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 and 24, and that's some going. And I just wanted to make the point that, that I think he's been, you, you know, if we remember all the other, uh, you know, the trouble that, that, that Frank Lampard had with the goalkeepers and, you know, everything that went on, it turns out that Mendy is a very good signing. But the other point I was actually making also was that, was there, while I agreed, you know, Chelsea were effective, they were good last night, uh, just as they were against Atletico Madrid, a better team than Porto. Um, they were also, I thought, a little bit fortunate in the sense that, you, you know, uh, this is the way we work, isn't it? We work, I mean, Mason's Mount goal, if you believe everything that you read and you hear and, and you head off the commentators last night, was an absolute thing of beauty. You know, was, well, I mean, I was hearing Crive Turns going on in some quarters, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and it was lovely. It was a lovely goal. But let's face it, the keeper should have saved it. Yeah. You know, the goalkeeper should have saved that, that shot. And also, the defender, again, on TV, they were saying, what a fantastic ball from Georgina. Well, it was okay. It was good. The defender sold himself outrageously, didn't he? If that's your yeah. defender, you are looking at it and thinking, mate, what are you doing committing yourself there? And then the goalkeeper goes for a, a, a standard shot with his feet. Flip that round and that scored against the Premier League team. If that scored against Chelsea and if that scored against Edward Mendy and if that defender is mm. I, 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 I Antonio Rudiger, we're hammering Rudiger and we're hammering Mendy. We're not saying mm. what a great goal from such and such a guy from Porto. And, I, I, and, and to a certain extent, that's, that's the way it works. No, that is the way it works. I heard I heard commentators last night say, "Oh, well, that wasn't the best effort from Marsh's hand to save it." But frankly, you know that doesn't matter. Well, that actually does if you're a Porto fan or Portuguese, you know. So there's a little bit of insularity there. And don't forget, as good as Ben Chilwell's goal was, it still originated from a Porto mistake. Mm. Again, the type of mistake, for example, that had say um, yes. Uh, they had, say, Trent Alexander-Arnold made, we would be saying, well, that's a Trent Alexander-Arnold howler a mistake and not, as in that case, a Marco Asensio brilliant goal. You know, whereas Asensio's finish for that goal was superb. I mean, absolutely superb to lift it over um, um, uh, Alisson and score. But, of course, it was all down, in our, you know, to the Alexander-Arnold mistake. And that's pretty much because we base our, you know, we look at it through a Premier League prism. So what I'm trying to say is that those two goals were were good, and Chelsea made the most of Porto's um, mistakes in in those goals very effectively. And Mountain Chilwell deserve all the praise they get. I'm not taking that away from them. 
Mm. But I thought they were a little bit fortunate in that sense. Mm. Also, Porto, mm. of course, had their, their, their two most effective players uh, missing from, from that game. And, you know, it, it was, while, while it would be disrespectful if the Chelsea players were cheering when the draw was made, you can probably slightly understand it. Um, if that was the case, they deny it's the case, obviously, don't they? But they do what they do, don't they? Apart from that West Brom game, they do what they do under Tuchel, which is incredibly well organised, incredibly disciplined, incredibly diligent, and they keep and, and they prevent teams from scoring. And I know this sounds all, all ridiculous when we're only five days after after a West Brom five scoreline, but that that is generally what they do. Yeah, no, you, you, you're right. Mm. I mean, Croy's turn is a great shout. I heard that. The, I heard that. <laughs> was that Jess or you? No, 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 no. I thought no, it was one of you guys. Telly. No. No, it was said on the TV. Oh, you're not, yeah. Well, it's not a Cruyff yeah. turn, is it? Was, was, was that a Geordie Cruyff turn or a Johan? Yeah, Geordie Cruyff. I was going to it was, say. It was the fact, oh, why hey, take a little bit of it? It was more like a Mrs. Cruyff, Cruyff turn. turn. It's a very, very, very precise thing. It was, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. Okay. Sorry, Danny. I even not read your matches on TV, but you're terribly wrong. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy into that. Uh, Aaron, my husband. Oh, it was, it was, this is a moment in time. Matt Dunn admits he's got something right. wrong. It was oh, a Cruyff turn. Please chalk it down. Let me let me explain. It was a Mount turn. Um, right. we'll, we'll, we'll call it that now. Because I, I thought with that goal, I think Andy had been a bit harsh on, on Mason Mount. Because to me, that was the, the standout moment. What struck me about that is... Oh, it was a brilliant event. moment. It was a brilliant moment, but Don't it was go. not a but, I think. Okay, it was a mount turn. We'll, we'll go on. We'll, we'll stick to that. It's a mount turn is when you do it with your weaker foot um, and beat a defender by by doing the unexpected, something like that. And I think also the goalkeeper he bought an error from by taking his shot so early because when he looked up and saw that space, I think a lesser player, a player with less confidence at the moment, would have perhaps taken a touch and, and tried to pick a spot. But he hit it straight away, which I think meant the keeper wasn't properly set, which is perhaps why it looked like he should have done better. So I think you've got to give Mount a bit more credit than than, than to say that it was uh, it was a howler by the goalkeeper. Um, and I thought that moment for Mason Mount was the absolute standout moment in the first half because Chelsea were ordinary. I, I was privileged enough to see them on Saturday. Uh, and, it, and it wasn't that different a Chelsea team, if I'm honest, um, and a Chelsea performance between the two games. Because on Saturday, they were, they were just, they, they couldn't defend at all, which was most un-Chelsea-like, which they got right again last night. But but the passing, Jorginho, uh, until he put that pass through to Mount, didn't seem to be able to pass Walter. And he's bending big floppy crosses into the box, which are no good to anybody. Um and you sort of think that's that's no good, and uh, and he kept giving the ball away against West Brom as well, mm. um, and uh, just nobody seemed uh, nobody seemed to be sort of that inspired enough. Except, and Timo Werner just looks like oh. a back. He doesn't want the ball. That's a problem, I think, yeah. at the moment. Yeah. So petrified, and so uh, yeah. After his mistaken against Armenia uh, against um, Northern Macedonians, um, you know he's so. He just doesn't seem to be interested in getting the ball in front of goal because he's terrified of what's going to happen next, uh, and perhaps he needs a break or something. But but there's a lot of players not performing, uh, and then you throw in a couple of defensive mistakes like they had at West Brom, and they're suddenly found out. That could easily have happened again last night because um, Porto were on the front foot for the entire sort of first up until the goal probably. Um, uh, and I think if you're Porto going 
going well. It's their home game, wasn't it? But but staying at home for their home game and, and now facing two away goals after that performance, you just wonder where they came from. I think Chelsea were lucky to get that. I think one 0 would have been would have been a fair reflection, but that second goal was an absolute killer. But that seems to be what Tuchel seems to be able to conjure from, from this run. So you know, good luck to them, I suppose. The issue, but, the uh, issue he's got, Matt and Crossy, is the one problem he's not solved yet is the form of Werner and Havertz. Mm. No, they both got subbed off last night and they looked so ineffective. I so, don't you know, even he, know where Havertz was playing. I just yeah. don't. If you take Mount's goals, I think Mount's the top scorer for Chelsea under, under Tuchel's reign so far with mm. five. So if you take Mount's goals out of the equation, where does that leave Chelsea? Because, you know, they have to be good at defensively because they're, they're not going to score four or five goals a game. They just don't have that in them. I mean, you know, when you think about how much money those two players cost, that's a, that's a, an issue that, that's starting to be damaging. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Havertz is a really interesting case because I tell you what, there's few better, talking of turns, there's few better players when the ball is played into them who turn as beautifully and as smoothly as Kai Havertz. However, once he's turned, what happens next is is a totally different <laughs> aspect because he doesn't then deliver either killer pass or the shot on target or or anything really. He's you know his approach play is clearly technically brilliant, but he's he's yet to find. I don't know what what they're to do in the shot team. on confidence, don't they? Basically, yes, yes. And I suppose you only get that back from scoring goals, so it's like a vicious circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, and Andy, the other thing I thought was interesting about Mendy, just to, to, you know, sort yeah. of in him. I just don't know whether yet. It's really weird because I study a lot of goalkeepers, slightly fascinated and slightly yeah. obsessive by goalkeepers. And and you're so right that his stats are brilliant. Yeah. Does he fill you with that confidence? Does he does he provide that kind of the stature of a really top class goalkeeper that make you think, wow, we're never going to find a way past this this guy? You know, I don't know. Sometimes he looks so unorthodox. Yeah. In his style. Um, that I'm not sure he, he does. He does to me. I mean, I mean, I, I do. Mm. I've been hugely impressed by him. However, I, I know I'm not. You know, that's that's not an overly commonly held view. In fact, Sam Allardyce actually did make a couple of comments after the game, uh, didn't he? Suggesting they had, you know, targeted Mendy for his rashness. You, you know, mm. and I think he came charged off the line, didn't he, for one? Was it the first goal against West Brom? I'm not sure. One of the goals, and. Um, you know, although I haven't said that, you know, the idea of targets and a goalkeeper can't be that novel, can it really? It's probably the general idea, isn't it, of the entire game, one would have thought. Um, but no, he does, John. I, think, I, I, I like him. I, I, like, I yeah. like the way, you know, I, I think I think he, he, he seems to get all his angles right. You know, his distribution isn't spectacular, but it's not bad. Um, he makes saves, you know. I, I mean, there's nothing... I, I don't, I don't, there's nothing... He doesn't seem overly... Whereas some others might say he's rash, I just think you know he, he, he's confident, but not overly confident. Um, and you know, this is the fullness of time will tell. What I do know is they've got a goalkeeper that, that they can just play week in, week out. You know, and, and that mm. and that is something that they didn't have in the past. And by the way, just quickly defending Dunny on the Cryf turn saga, I would I would describe it as a turn that Cryf would be proud of. I mean, I think I think that is a fair point because it was a fantastic turn, and I'm not denigrating the goal or Mason Mount. I'm not saying like, oh, he was lucky. He wasn't lucky. His turn was beautiful. He took his shot early, struck it okay. All I'm saying is, is if that was if, if, if that boot was on the other foot, we'd be saying that's poor defending. So but so, so no, no bigger fan of Mount than me. 
But yes, just go back to Mendy. I just think they've got a goalkeeper that they, they don't need to think about playing anymore. They don't need... He might have the odd bad game like all goalkeepers do. They've got a goalkeeper there um, who who basically can, can make that position his own for many years to come. And that's what you want to see. It, it, a successful side has a goalkeeper that automatically picks himself. Alisson for Liverpool, Edison for Manchester City. It was David De Gea for Manchester United. We'll see how that goes. And now it's Mendy for Chelsea. And I just think it just gives the defence a sense of... You know, comfort to a certain extent. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, just a final thought on Chelsea and Mason Mount, really, is that basically, I, I think we're sometimes obsessed, don't we, about what part, kind of, you know, perception is on, on, on social media of players, uh, you know, frankly, because at the moment we don't have the fans to kind of judge. But I think this kind of negativity that swirls around Mason Mount is largely built on on sort of Twitter comments by fans that yeah, probably no, often, often don't go. And I think it's so unfair because I don't think real Chelsea fans have any doubts about him at all, do well, you? Well, I mean, I've I, I built my match report around that fact. I started, we need to talk about Mason because everyone spouts on about, on Twitter, about how, well, what does he do? Uh, you know, uh, and I even made the point again about, you know, Gareth Southgate getting pelters because every time he's asked about Jack Greenish, he talks about Mainson now. Uh, and there in a moment, um, in his own unique way, not relying on any former Dutch masters at all, he kind of showed why we need him in uh, in that England team. And I don't, I think it's getting to the point where he keeps doing stuff that you don't expect him to. But wherever it is, wherever he's asked to do it, he, he writes himself, he inks himself into that England team. And you've just got to find somewhere there because he can uh, pop up somewhere. And it's because of that ability to find space, to find angles um, uh, and, and the rest of it. That, that I don't think that has to be in doubt anymore. Every time he's challenged to show, no, by Tuchel, comes in and leaves him out of the team. He's now scored more goals under Tuchel than any other player. And he's a midfielder kind of winger kind of, you know, he's got enough strikers on the pitch to, to challenge for that accolade. Uh, and uh, yeah, he just keeps doing it, uh, and it's because he's got an immense talent. I thought the way he took that goal, whether the keeper should have done better or not, the confidence he showed—you know—he's doing a role that a striker should be doing. He expects Harry Kane to be doing that, and he's mm. stepping up when when Chelsea's equivalent to Harry Kane goes missing. He's the guy who steps into the breach. You know, when he needs someone to put a cross in, suddenly he's on the wing putting across. When he needs someone to make an angle, he he kind of is the extra man who who fills in all those roles. And uh, and that's why I think he's, he's been so hard to stop for defenders because they don't know where he's going to pop up next. His energy, it's just, uh, you know, this is reminiscent of the sort of thing that Deli Ali was doing a couple of years ago, mm. which should, in a way, be a cautionary watchword because it can go again. But at the moment, as it stands, he is the standout player, one of the standout players in the Premier League at the moment. Certainly, he's, you know, along with Harry Kane, one of the standout England, English players. And, and, I, and I think you know, he's, he's still going on. And there you go on. You've been for two he's minutes. Go on. Here we go. Is, well, well, because because here we go again, basically. You, you know, I mean, I mean, one, there were a lot of Chelsea. When, when people say Chelsea fans never doubt to Mason Mount, well, they weren't the Chelsea fans I heard, you know, not too long ago who were doubting Mason Mount. And they were, now, whether they were right to or not is, is another question. But listen, he hasn't gone from this now. When you say about social media isn't the barometer of, you know, um, of a player's form or a player, of a player's ability. No, it isn't. And it's, I think it's important that we don't go full the other way. So now all I can hear about Mason Mount 
is that, is that not only is he actually a decent player, which we know, but he's an absolute world beater, which, he, which, which you know, he isn't. I mean, he, at, at the moment, we don't know he's a world beater. You know, we haven't seen him sort of in, in real sort of um, do-or-die games for England. We'll find out. We hopefully will find out. But the idea that he's an absolute shoe-in for the England team, I don't get. You know, the idea that, that, that Mason Mount has become, and I'm a big fan, but, but, you know, suddenly the temptation, because you're railing against the idea that he was hard done by, in comments, to go completely the other way and say, well, you know what, Mason Mount is, 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 is now... Is now is now one of the world's best talents and should walk into Gareth Southgate's England side, which not only is Dunny saying, but an awful lot of pundits are saying, you know, he's one of the first names on the team sheets. Well, he clearly is not. You know, who are you leaving off the team sheet to put Mason Mount in that in, in that team? Now, yes, I, I mean Southgate likes him, and yes, he might well be a starter, but he's not. He shouldn't be automatic. I mean, he should not be an, an automatic starter in that team. He should certainly have a very good chance of making it. But I just think there is the danger of, of them. And it's, it's, it's only nature. If you think he's not done by, you go the other way and say, well, actually, you know what? He's, he's one of the best. He's exceptionally good. Um, he's improving all the time. But I still think the idea that he's an automatic shoe-in for the England team is wrong. Yeah, no, it's an interesting point. Hakeem, who's one of our viewers this morning, says Mason Mount is easily Chelsea's best player mm. this season. And we certainly don't disagree. Well, I don't disagree with you, Hakeem, but um, we'll see. Um, Jezza, let's come back to you on Man City. Um, it, I mean, it certainly didn't make match reporting the other night very easy from the Etihad. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, but basically, get that game swung this way and that in the last, you know, seven minutes. And, and frankly, you know, I think I personally think that Man City deserve the win o- overall. And, you know, it's a slender result, though, isn't it? It's not, it's not. It's not done yet. They're not as comfortable, perhaps, looking for the second leg as Chelsea. But but Man City, surely this is a great opportunity to for Guardiola to, to get past the quarterfinal hurdle into the semis at last for City. Yeah, I, I, wasn't, I know you were at the game. I was, I was doing the Liverpool game. Um, so I only saw the goals and the brief highlights. But yeah, look, it, was, it looked like City deserved to win, although I suppose the issue... Um, Dortmund would have is that the, they had a, a perfectly legitimate goal ruled out from Bellingham or I gather was mm. really excellent for excellent. Dortmund um, so yeah maybe they were fortunate and relied on a late goal from Foden but it's such a big goal that because it gives them a precious lead to, to defend um, in the away leg and you know we've seen for months on end how strong they are at the back city so they they have edged it and they will be favourite rightly will be favourites um, to go through to the semi-finals but it's so naive to predict anything with City when it comes to the Champions League because they for years on well for, for the last few seasons they've all conjured up a way of making a mess of things so Dortmund are a really good side I know I don't know was Harlem pretty quiet on I know he, he, he had a hand in the goal didn't he for Royce yeah, he, he did and there was an amazing moment in the second half when basically he you know there was a through ball which was an absolute slide rule pass right down the middle which is a way for City when Harlan yeah. just escaped using his fantastic turn of pace and, and power and strength just brush aside Ruben Diaz who just you know, as if he wasn't so there you don't see that very often no yeah. it was amazing I thought that that was I mean listen he didn't apply the finishing touch he was slightly yeah. stumbling when, so your worry sure. for City would be, okay, yeah. they've got away with one there and Harlan's not scored. 
which is a rarity these days. Mm. So will he be as quiet again on, you know, on next week? Uh, probably not. So, you know, it is right in the balance that, you know, yeah, City, City are slight favourites and, you know, they have so much quality to call upon. You'd fancy him to go through, but it's by no means job done that. No, no, absolutely. It's, it's an interesting one. Kevin De Bruyne, Andy, yeah, I mean, it's a great... You know, I mean, I don't know that we suspect that we thought he would leave because why on earth would you leave, mm-hmm. you know, City at this moment in time? But what what a fantastic boost that is in the final weeks of the season, isn't it? To kind of, you know, maintain and, and, and re-sign your, you know, your best player, basically. Yeah. I mean, it was contracted until 2023 anyway. I mean, I don't oh, want to be a, I don't want to be a total misery this yeah, morning. I know. It was already contracted until 2023. Someone's and eating I, your porridge, aren't they? It's true, pal. Sorry? A bit like Harry Kane. Yeah. It's not yes, something to talk about him, is it? Well, exactly. Yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, that point's been made many times, yeah. I mean, we'll come back onto that one. But, but yeah, he was contracted until 2023. And... You know, I guess from Kevin De Bruyne's point of view, it, it, it does. I do like the story about the the, the data analysts and stuff that, that, mm. that he employed to, you know, um, to see whether he should stay or whether the, you know where City was going, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think if you're a player in turns thirty in a couple of months' time, like Kevin De Bruyne does on, I think it's, it's in June, you turn thirty, and someone offers you a four-year deal worth three hundred grand a week. I don't think you need data analysts to tell you. That's a great deal. That is a that is a cracking deal, by the way. You, you know, it's um, it's brilliant. But it is, yeah, you're right. It sends out the right signals, though, doesn't it? It, 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 it? It's Man City getting things right again off the pitch in terms of tying down players they want to tie down, letting players go they want to let go. Um, they, they 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 seem to do that correctly without any force. You know, there was never any suggestion that the Bruyne was 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 unhappy. As I say, he was contracted anyway. Again, the same way as Matt says, Harry Kane. Um, but there's all, there was, was never a suggestion. No, and those who know City far better than I do, you know, seem to know that the Bruno is so settled at, at both the club and in the area. Him and his family, you know, he's, he's he's become the leader of that team. It's fantastic news. I mean, I mean, for City, probably not 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 for the rest of the Premier League, because you know what? What I immediately thought, one of the thoughts I had was that, as I say, you know, the cynic in me, you know, says, well, well why wouldn't you sign a contract and? He was tied down until 2023 anyway. But I just thought, you know what I thought? I wonder if, if in all his discussions, you know, it was well documented that De Bruyne, you know, didn't maybe use as much um, help from agents, advisors or, or whatever as a player normally would do. I'm sure he got a bit of advice. But I just wondered whether or not um, he'd spoken to Guardiola about it. About it. I mean, I wonder I wonder if those two have had discussions. And I wonder if, you know, De Bruyne had said to Guardiola, listen, mate, you know, how long are you around for? Because... You know, he plays the type of game, you know, him and Pep clearly are an absolute match made in heaven, aren't they? You know, in terms of the way he, he wants his players to play and the ter- in terms of the way De Bruyne wants to play. And he, he said yeah, that, didn't he, didn't he, in his quotes? He said, oh, did he? Me, and so, Pep, me and Pep look at the game the same way, basically. So, I mean, I, I, in a pod. Well, exactly. I just wondered, Jeremy, whether or not he said... You know, I wonder if Pep, contrary to what... Hey, listen, he's already going to be there for a lot longer than probably many of us thought. I wonder if Guardiola really is thinking of staying there for a long time. 
You know, I, th- I think we've always thought, you know, first we thought now we'd be no more than three years. Then we thought no more than four. Now we might think no more than five. But I wonder if it could be five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years for Guardiola and De Bruyne. That will be, don't it? If they, go on and, if they go on and win four trophies this season. <laughs> How do you, top, you can't top that, can you? You can't. And then you can't no. expect them to do it again next season. Once in a lifetime achievement. But, but, but it's not the fact. Yeah, it, it would be, and and you can't top it. I, I I agree. Sorry, Matt. But 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 just quickly, I think there's something to be said for even if you don't win, and you can't top it. There's something to be said for playing in a team that you absolutely love playing football. Yeah, in. yeah. Absolutely. For going out every single day, you know. I mean, it must be to play in that Manchester City team. Because bear in mind, you are going to have in every game. Well, I would say virtually every game, a minimum of. Two thirds of possession, sixty-six percent possession. I would suggest is your minimum. I don't know what the stats actually are, but I would suggest it's around then. You know you're going to have the football. You know you're going to play with, you know, great attacking intent. It must just be great to go and have. Well, it he, must be great fun playing in that team. Great. He fun. said as well the challenge. Like. He said De Bruyne actually said as well that he he absolutely loves the challenge of having to raise his game every week, yeah. basically, because mm. he's got so much quality around him. You know, and he loves the fact that they 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 have a genuine chance of winning all these trophies. But he, he said you have these standards have to be so high yes. all the time because there's so many great players available stuck on the bench. I mean, on Tuesday night, Sterling, Aguero, and Jesus all started on the bench. Yeah, you know those three players were walking to most teams in Europe. Yeah, you can afford to, yeah, yeah. You can afford to leave them all on the bench and play De Bruyne in a false nine position. So, yeah, I think it's, it is a match made in heaven, like Dunny said. And mm. I mean, I don't know how long Guardiola will stay at City for. Um, I've given up trying to predict that now. But yeah. I think the key thing as well is obviously the two guys who run the club uh, are obviously Spanish and they're big pals with Guardiola. So that little Spanish cabal there is the fulcrum of the club. And as long as those two that Soriano and uh, Bagheera staying are, are, are running things and pulling the strings and Pep's happy, which he clearly is, then yeah, not there's no need for anything to change. No, I just can't see the point in moving anywhere else. Matt, I want to move on to uh, Liverpool. I mean, what, what what a crazy game against Real Madrid. I mean, <laughs> you have to say, you know, after the shambolic sort of defending in the first half, to get it back to 2-1... <laughs> You know, gives them a real chance, but then three-one, you just can't see them not conceding in the return at Anfield, can you? I mean, Liverpool, yeah, sure, their season sure. just goes from you know, I don't know, crisis to crisis, doesn't it? Yeah, and having to rely on an Anfield win mm. I mean, in the modern this this mm. season, empty Anfield. Mm. I mean, it'd be different if it was Barcelona and a full stadium of fans, but you know, you do feel that that third goal might have been the killer, and and it's the, the inconsistency they, they you know. They don't seem to be doing the basics that they did so well when they won the title and you know got to those Champions League finals. Um, you know, there just doesn't seem the energy to press. So they've been picked off with passes that that you know, short of the defence not dealing with them, the passes shouldn't be being made in the first place. It's those fundamental things that seem wrong at the, at the moment. And are people defending? Uh, yeah, a lot of attention on Trent Alexander Arnold, and um, and it's interesting how quickly it can all change because. I don't know if I've still got a suspicion Southgate's decision to drop him might have been a wake-up call or an opportunity for him to use it as a wake-up call. Mm. Uh, and I don't think the door, I think the door was, was just kept ajar for him this summer. I don't think he's been slammed shut on him. And when you watch him land that cross on Jota's head at the weekend, you think, oh, you know, he's learned from that. 
But then you see him make some basic howlers and you think, well, perhaps Southgate's got a point. Uh, and it's individual players who know better than, than that. They're making those sorts of fundamental errors that just seems to be at the heart of undoing anything that Liverpool do. So there's a, a lack of confidence about the team, which with their track record of trophies and wins, to, for them not to have any confidence just, just seems balmy. Uh, and, and, and I think it's individuals just not focusing enough. Uh, and yeah, uh, I think it's, they've got a real struggle now to, to overcome what the damage they did on Tuesday night. Yeah, defensively, Jeremy, it's, it's <laughs> I just, you know, it's hard to know where, where where they go from here, isn't it? I mean, they look a team just so short of confidence, but you know, I think they look like a team that just is just limping towards the end of the season. I mm. mean, but the sad thing is, obviously, you know, they played Real Madrid on Tuesday. It's their last, the last competition they're still in. So it's the last chance to win a trophy. So you know, it's 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 their last hurrah for this season. They were so flat. Like Matt said, they lack they lack that pressing game um, that that served them so well for the last two years. They don't have any intensity in the first ten minutes. Alexander Arnold, who I thought played really well at the weekend against Arsenal, mm. um, when everyone was raving about him, he, he played a long ball across the back to Robertson. It was just a straightforward pass, really, and it just went behind Robertson and out for a out for a, a throw into Real Madrid. And I just thought, just it's just poor concentration and lapses and the header that obviously uh, went to um, Real for the for their one of their goals was was shambolic to be honest it was laughable so yeah I, I, look if Anfield was full and rocking um, you'd say hmm we've got half a chance here um, but Real Real gave them a schooling actually I thought I thought they were the far better side they were second best Liverpool and I can't see them pulling that around to be honest no our friend Alan Chamberlain is back with a Valid comment, Jordan Henderson, a massive miss, gets around the pitch and sets the tone for the others, which I think we can, mm. I'm sure we can all agree on. But and, and Andy, do you, mm. do you give them a chance, second leg? I mean, yeah. or do you feel it's beyond them? No, no, I give, the, I, give, I give them a chance, second leg. I give them, you know, a reasonable chance. You know, mm. it, it's, it's probably, you know, you, you would say, and if, if I was a bookmaker, it would certainly be less than... Less than odds on it, it'd be less than 50 50. Clearly, you know, Real Madrid are, are now the favourites. But, you know, Liverpool have done it before um, and, and overturned it. And yes, I take the point about, about the crowd, but there's only so much a crowd can really do. You know, it can intimidate a little bit, it can lift, it lift players. But, you know, there's enough there in that Liverpool, you know, the, the, the front three haven't changed you know, from the front three. Um, that have been so good in these past couple of seasons. I do see danger in, in in Sadio Mane. I see danger in Salah, and then he plays Jota or Firmino or both. You know, I, I can't see them um, causing Real Madrid, you know, some trouble. So yes, it, it, the simple answer is yes, I can see them doing it. Do I think they'll do it? No, no, I don't. I, and, and for the reasons that basically Jeremy and Matt have already have outlined so well, you, you know, defensively. I bear in mind they actually had a, a, they were going into this game on, on a little bit of a good run defensively um, in, in, in domestically, um, and but, but against high class opposition like they were up against then, and against a very well coached team, against a team that had a really good plan, and against a couple of players who really excelled themselves as well. You know that's the best I've seen Vinicius Junior play. I thought um, Cruz was Men- good. Yeah, and Cruz was good. Modric was just, you know, I mean, they just ran the show. show. I mean, which in a way, strangely enough, it was a throwback. The way Modric and Cruz 
um, were running that midfield was actually a throwback to the Champions League final of a couple of years ago, yeah. wasn't it? You know, you know, when we were all out there in, in Kiev. Also, though, I thought Phil and Mendy was excellent down the left-hand side and gave Alexander Arnold a bit of a torrid time. And I do, I think, I think that's going to be the problem. The problem is clearly going to be preventing Real Madrid from getting um, a, a goal. I mean, that's going to be the issue because Liverpool, against the high-class opposition, aren't defending particularly well. On the Trent issue, that that is going to, going to be an issue. You know, I mean, I, I think you know we've all had loads to say about it over over the, the last couple of weeks. I just think the fundamental problem with Alexander Arnold is that is that he just doesn't look as though he's particularly enthusiastic about defending, and that has to be surely. An issue, a you know. That, yeah, basically, that, that's not that's not a criticism. You, you know, is is the he clearly loves being on the ball. He clearly loves, you know, setting up goals. You know, you saw his elation when when he set up the goal at uh, at the Emirates last Sunday for for Jota, and that is a real buzz that he clearly gets from it. He gets the buzz of getting forward. He gets the buzz of setting up. You know, like he did. Like, let's face it, it was only two years ago. That he was basically taking the Mickey out of Barcelona and Anfield. You know, this mm, was a guy yeah. who was as instrumental as anyone in that comeback with Trent Alexander Arnold against Barcelona. That's the stuff he loves. But you know, do you want any player to lose sight of basically not to be enthusiastic about your defending? And, and and he just doesn't look that at the moment. Again, that's not a criticism. That is just a, just think a natural thing that everyone tells you that you're you, you're a, a player that is essentially. Um, earmarked to move up from there and to be, you know, a new Stephen Gerrard or something, then, then maybe maybe that gets you. So I don't think it's any more sort of, you know, damaging than that. I just think that it, if he wants to be in contention with the right back slot, you just have to have a, a rethink maybe on on your passion for defending. I mean, we look, you know, if you look at right backs ahead of him, maybe. I mean, and you think, well, you know, Carl Walker. Does seem to quite like this sort of challenge of, of defending. He likes getting forward, no, no doubt, mm, but, mm. but he does like the physical challenge of defending. He likes he likes the one on one. You know, I'm not saying he's he's great at it. I think Trippier is probably the same. I don't know about Rhys James. I mean, I see Rhys James very much in the Alexander Arnold mode. To be perfectly honest with you, so yeah. But I, I think the, the, the broader picture is that clearly they're going to have to try and keep Real Madrid out, and I think that will be the issue. But can they do it? Yes. Do they still have? Um, enough attacking talent to score two goals against Real Madrid, possibly even more if they need them. Yes, they have. Tell you what, yeah. as well, Crossy, one thing that struck me was how, how Real Madrid have been, we've all overlooked them a little bit in the Champions mm. League this season. Yeah, cruise, we have. Sort of cruise through to the, well, they've got one foot in the semi finals now, and they, you wouldn't want to draw them in the semi finals. No, no, you really wouldn't. I have to say. I mean, they were without Ramos and Varane, Varane on uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, and, you know, and they are two two massive players for them to come back yeah. into the team. Yeah, they are they are still a formidable force. You, you have to say. I'm going to move on to Jose Mourinho and Spurs. I mean, incredible comments after Tottenham, uh, you know, threw it away really against Newcastle, didn't they? And also the chance to move into the top four. So you know, his comments afterwards really lampooning the players rather than sort of particularly his defence rather than himself. Um, you know, what was it? Same coach, different players. Really, I think talking about kind of Tottenham's defensive frailties it does beg the question: Jose, is it ever your fault? Do you ever get it? Do you ever get? Is it ever down to you? 
Matt, Matt, what do, what do you think on the, on this one? I mean, you know, it's well, just well, familiar to With respect to Jose Mourinho, it's hardly rocket science. So, um, you know, that's the other thing is we're not allowed to talk to him about rocket science. Wasn't that the, the weird thing he came out with in the international break? Well, why does he have to answer these questions? Um, because NASA scientists don't get asked about rockets, so why should yes. one of the leading brains in football be asked about this? It's not anything to do with leading brains in football. It's to do with simple human interaction. And if you keep casting your players under the bus every time something goes wrong, they're going to mm. stop playing for you. Uh, and that's happened at Manchester United. It's happened uh, you know, at various clubs where where he's tried to, to sort of spike them into a response. But but actually, I think he is getting several things wrong. Uh, you know, how can you so consistently destroy players like he's done at Spurs? Deli Ali is a a fraction of the player he was. So many, I mean, who, who's, who's a better player now since the day Jose Mourinho walked into the club? Mm. I don't think there's anyone there. Um, you know, Eric Dyer's a shadow of his former self. You know, uh, Aldevaro has admitted he got a bit older, so perhaps that's a key, but but it's certainly not a player. Matt Doherty, who he signed, uh, he wasn't a player he was for Wolves. Uh, I don't see who he's adding value to, apart from Harry Kane, who's a, you know his own person. Uh, and I think it's pretty much, you know, if Jose tries to try and claim some of the credit for that, then I think that's almost worse than blaming the players when when it's not their fault. Um, you don't have to manage Harry Kane, do you, Dunny? You just well, that's pick exactly him, it. Him you know, Harry Kane does for you, it's because he's Harry Kane. You know, and Jose, I mean, Jose Mourinho said in that documentary, didn't he? You know, I know what this is like being a world star. Stick with me. I'll help guide you through it. Actually, I think he needs Harry Kane to get his own sparkle back uh, and Harry Kane, Kane needs to lead Jose back to being a special one. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's an absolute, I, I don't know what Jose's bringing to Spurs at the moment. Meanwhile, um, the man he replaced is now one foot in the semi-final of the Champions League with a engaging football beating supposedly the world's best team last night. Uh, and you just think, you know, if Daniel Levy is to persevere with Jose, which he seems most likely to do over the summer, depending on how the end goes in, and give time and a bit of credit and another transfer window to, and another amount of money, who knows how much, then why didn't he show that faith to Pochettino again? Mm. I just got this vision of us in 20 years' time. Well, some of us will still be around then, obviously. You know, so some of us are long retired, all you, you vaccinated ones that, uh, that are over the, the threshold. But, uh, but if we are still around in 20 years' time, we'll sit around and say, can you believe 20 years ago when, when Pochettino's gone done the rounds of PSG onto Real Madrid and then probably had a stint at Man City when Pep finally gives up uh, and perhaps has a little heyday at Bayern Munich? And we'll say, do you know what? Spurs sacked him because he couldn't win any trophies. And he'll be sat there with a trophy cabinet full of all sorts. Uh, and you just think, was that the moment that Spurs actually believe he got it horribly wrong by relying on the past and Jose Mourinho at a time when he was building such a, a, a great future for the club? Uh, and, and yeah, I just think he's got it wrong with Jose and, and Jose keeps getting it wrong. And so what are they going to do? Replace the whole squad again? This was the squad he inherited and said we're good enough to win the title. He didn't need to make any signings, he said, when he arrived. You know, get all my players fit again and we'll challenge. What happened to that, Jose? You Problem know. is, Crossy, mm. we've seen Mourinho, you know, back in the Premier League now for quite a few years with United and now Tottenham. He just looks like a stale manager. He looks like someone who 
has stopped thinking about thinking out of the box, you know, trying something different, revolutionising something within his side like Guardiola does all the time with City. And he is high maintenance. He's been a dream for us over the years, hasn't he, with the quotes mm. and his behaviour. Um, you know, he'll, he will always fill the back pages and, and column inches because he's uh, an interesting bloke. But I just think he, lo- he looks he looks a tired manager these days, which is sad, really, because he will be regarded as one of the greats. When you look at his CV, some of the successes had is remarkable. Mm. Uh, you know, it's up there with the, the very best. But um, I just think time's caught. It looks like someone who's, yeah. that time's caught up with. Yeah. Oh, I, I think he's been good okay. fun this season. Sorry, go on, Andy. No, I, I just, I, again, not wanting to be an arch misery, I would just like to point out that Pochettino might achieve something quite unimaginable, which is not win the French League with PSG, um, which would certainly be uh, another non-trophy to add to his stellar collection, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, fancy not winning it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they were beaten at home by Lille on Saturday, um, but obviously that's swept away by a, a good result last night. So, I mean, that, that would be, you know, I, I would suggest he just needs to win that first before we start, you know, at Lord and Pochettino as one of the world's greats. But, but yeah, just, you're right about Jose Marino. In the, but the thing is, you know, when when we ask him these questions, you know, when he says, oh, same coach, you know, different players, whatever, we don't really expect anything else, do you, you know, from him in, in, in reply. That is, that's the persona that he's created, but and also the persona that, that he's been, in a way, uh, justified in creating because he has got, unlike Pochettino, an incredible amount of trophies to his name, hasn't he? You know, and mm. and that's just, and honestly, he still he, he might get another one before Posh gets his first. You know, he, he he might well lift the Carabao Cup later this month. Who knows? You, you know, there's, there's there's a decent chance, um, there's a puncher's chance of, of winning that of winning that particular game. So, you know, who knows? But I think it's I think we're almost at the point now where. And I think this may be a worry for him. We're almost at the point now where those comments that you mentioned there about, you know, basically playing, throwing his players under the bus yet again, they're almost just now, you know, it's a shrug of the shoulders almost, isn't it? You know, it's just mm. Jose being Jose. You've blown another winning position, maybe being a bit too cautious, and it is what it is now. You, you know, you, you are, as the guys say, you are no longer sort of the standout coach amongst the coaching elites. No, no, it was it was funny. Well, I have to pull you up on your cynicism, by the way. I mean, Go on. Po- Pochettino going to PSG. Are you are you not aware that obviously everyone was saying and writing that basically you know Pochettino yet to win a major trophy as a manager? Yes. I mean, the French league league is a golden ticket. How dare you write off Pochettino as a as as, as not being able to even win the French league? I'm sure. I'm sure, no, I'm sure he might, that... might yet do. I mean, he might yet win the French league. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm being slightly sarcastic, but I don't. Well, I, 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 I have to. I have to say, I do. I do. Um, do love Pochettino. I'm in the Pochettino fan club. So, um, so, so there you go. <laughs> and it's a big uh, fan club. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of members. Je- yeah, Je- yeah, Jezza, go, yeah. go down south, mate. There's a waiting list on in the Pochettino fan <laughs> club bar. He's, he's the queuing around the block he's still. In there, he's in there Frank, with Frank Lampard. I'm in that as well. You might have noticed. Um, <laughs> but no, it, I mean, it is, it is an interesting one. I did find it fascinating watching the match of the day. Um, on 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 Sunday night on that because match of the day had their own post match interview on the pitch with Jose Mourinho in which right. gave him a slight I don't know whether you saw it guys but basically gave him a slight ping you know the defenders 
And then just just to turn up the volume, they then use Five Lives interview, yeah, you know, Julia, the audio right. from Julian Farrington. Basically, it was you know it was mm. marginally, but you know on a slightly different theme. Mm. So to to you know to highlight it and make it even, make it even worse for Mourinho. I don't actually quite know the point he was making. It seems a bit of a mystery that, that sort of a couple of players were were missing due to protocols, basically, yeah. which wasn't quite ever ever cleared up and I always think no. those things are, it was left hanging there and I just thought it wasn't quite clear and I always think those things are you know I think the manager maybe has a bit of a duty on these sort of things mm. if you're going to then pop it in we'll clear it up otherwise it looks looks bad on the players anyway I, I you know it is a you know it's it's going to be an in, interesting one that for, for, for um, Tottenham particularly as they face Man United on um on Sunday, what a huge game that now is, you know, for, for, for both clubs and United obviously playing um, Granada. I mean, it'll be interesting to see with, with Jose. I, I'm convinced they give him till the summer, of course, but basically it's too far too late now, I, I, would, I would argue anyway. But basically, if they do win that Carabao Cup final by, by, by some miracle and beat all conquering Man City and indeed sort of kind of even get into Europe, let alone top four, what on earth do you do? I think they stick with Mourinho. I think Levy's of a mind to stick with Mourinho. Let's see. It's it's an interesting... Well, the irony is, Crossy, if they don't finish so in the top four and they don't win the cup, League Cup, it makes Levy's situation so much easier. Ironically, yeah. if they win a trophy and finish in the top four, then he's got a massive call to make because that that would be regarded as a reasonably successful season for Tottenham. Yeah. They haven't won a trophy for, what, 13 years? 12 yeah. 13 But what's years. the call? Well, whether you keep him or not. I, I just don't think there's even a decision to make. If he wins really? his first trophy, yeah, he wins his first trophy in 13 years and finishes top four, why on earth, you know, would would you replace the manager? Well, you'd canvas the player. If you were leaving, you'd canvas the whole playing squad, wouldn't you, throughout the summer and say, look, what's, what, what's, what, how is it for you? How is it for you guys? the last thing you would do, but anyway. I was going to say, you know, I'm with, with John on that, that's... I mean, Levy made his decision when he appointed Mourinho in the first place. Now he needs a justification to keep him there. And winning the Carling Cup and perhaps even not finishing in the top four might be a Carling Cup. Look how the final pass on the Carabao Cup. Um, you won't get your free energy drinks, pal. Yeah, no, absolutely. Carabao Cup. Well, I'd rather have a free Carling, though, so I'll mention the They're Carling not going to beat City, let's be honest. They're not going to beat City. <laughs> you don't know. Carabao you stuff. don't know. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, but if they do do that, then it gives it easy, and he comes out and says, This is the beginning. Then that's all Levy needs to hear, and he mm. gives him another year. And I think that would be a mistake, but it's the mistake that he made initially when they appointed him. He's then got to give him money to spend on new players. Yeah. 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 They've got to do, and hopefully make some money from the players that he's going to need to get rid of because they won't play for him anymore. Yeah. He does but need a I, whole new defence, I have to say. He really does. You know, having Tanganga right back, Crystal. I like Reggion. I like Reggion. He's going back again. Yeah. You know, well. I think they keep him regardless, by the way. I think he's there next season, regardless, Jose. I mean, I really do. I just don't see him making the change. I do think, as well, in general, I think there'll be a bit of a reset, won't they? You know, with hopefully touch wood, you know, with full grass back in. Well, hopefully for, I mean, who knows, but, you know, with crowds back in and starting next season, it just feel like a different season. It it will feel a little bit, I think, as though a little bit like, you know, he can have a almost a fresh start, you know. Um, 
I'm flipping that on his head. Jose Mourinho needs a bunch of Spurs fans in that Oh my feelings Most of my pals are Spurs fans, and quite a few of them are season ticket holders, and they are not having Jose. I'm sure. No, no, but the point is, I completely understand that, but maybe when he understands, you know, it's probably quite. He probably doesn't feel. I don't know. Maybe he's cocooned at the moment because of the times that we're in, and because there's no fans. Maybe he actually is somehow deluded that he thinks you know the space fans aren't too unhappy with him. So how would he know? But I guess you know if, if you want to flip that on its on its head, I guess if the, if there were crowds there, then he would pretty soon know how dissatisfied they were, and that might actually sort of like you know prompt him to try something different. Um, and I, 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 just, I just can't see. The upheaval of of Levy sacking Jose Mourinho um, this summer, you, you know, in, in thinking who's going to replace him, you know, the amount of money it cost to pay him off. Um, I just think they, I just think you know, there's a chance that they they can start again. Keep Harry Kane this summer, you know, which again, going back to our conversation at the start of the show, then they they can just keep him anyway because he's contracted there, and maybe you know, go again again, I guess. Yeah, I, I I should point out that I agree with you, Andy. Mm. You know, I, I don't necessarily buy into the point of, you know, removing Jose. I think Jose, let's judge him at the end of the season. He deserves that. And then, you know, who knows? You know, I just don't, you know, I think he's, at, at times, it's, at times Spurs have looked good. And, it, yes. you know, they could, have, they could have gone top four Sunday. Let's not yeah. forget that. They're very, very close. They are close, yeah. you know. So I actually think it's not been... All doom and gloom, but it, you know, if you're judging it by the fans in the stadium, then I think Mourinho would probably be grateful that the fans are not in. But that's just maybe that's well, just the just mood. A kick with the backside, mate, they say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we, listen, we should, you know, look at Spurs, Tot- uh, Tottenham's um, opponents for, for Sunday. Man United, obviously, playing against Granada in the in in, in the um, Europa League. Now, I mean, this is quite this is a hell of an interesting story, actually, isn't it, Granada? Just looking at that game, the sort of kind of you know the opponents there. You know, well, got a Elton Wells sort of being form. the Coronation Street cast. Sorry? Elton Wells being the Coronation Street cast. That's well, they're yeah, well, there I you mean, go. It's not much no, I mean, there's been, some, there's been some interesting stories. They're an interesting club, aren't they, with a couple of former Premier League players and then basically in within their ranks. And then, basically, you know, it is quite an interesting story, Matt. Uh, yeah, I'm well, it's sure just Roberto Salvado and his goal-scoring yeah. exploits. And, I mean, for, for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to land in this quarterfinals of a uh, of a European competition uh, and land not not even the whole of ITV but just one of the region debates <laughs> that then you know it's you've got to admire the, the guy's fortune when he needs it you know that, that's you know had to beat AC Milan in the previous round didn't it perhaps yeah perhaps the names fair enough but but no all, all joking aside it's <laughs> for everything that's gone on uh, in this remarkable tale. They're, they're, they are horrendously out of their depth. And if a club like Manchester United can't find the wherewithal to to, to overcome them at this stage of a competition where, where they will be pleased just to be there, um, uh, you know, you, you, you feel you're where are the club going. So it's not a free pass. It's always it's, it's an FA Cup third round. You painted it as. It's really? Yeah, I think so. Well, the ninth oh, yeah. in La Liga, Crossy. Yeah, I'd say ninth in La Liga. <laughs> yeah, I get yeah, that. Seventh, but... Yeah, by European terms, against Manchester United, 
who are the biggest club in the world or certainly one of the top three. Um, you know, it's, yeah, I, I can't see this. Yeah, You're not United selling this, pal. Win. You're not selling this. United have to win. It's as simple as that. It's, well, they're on a hiding to nothing, are they, United? Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, you know the red-hot favourites to go through. Yeah, they should, they should, they should win. win. They should, they should win. win. And then you fa- they'll find themselves back in another semi-final, you know, and the pressure will be men's on Solskjaer to get them through to a final because they lost lost three semis last uh, season. So, but, you know, yeah, they're the nearly men. They've become the nearly men of um, <laughs> of football. But yeah, I expect them to go through comfortably. To be honest, um, I mean, you know, they've got um, they've got pretty much a full squad, to, with the exception of Martial. I mean, my worry is Rashford is playing. Well, he he missed obviously the last England camp. Mm. And played against Brighton at the weekend, came off in the second half, limped limp down the tunnel, straight down the tunnel. And you just think that lad shouldn't be playing. He's clearly not fit. He's pl- clearly no. playing through the pain barrier. And if you were Gareth Southgate, you'd be worried about his 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 um, his fitness come June. He's in the squad, isn't he? Yeah, he's in the squad. But interestingly, Solskjaer said he's not sure if he would last 90 minutes. Right. So he's clearly taking him and then either start with him and bring him off or bring him on. But, you know, he's clearly not fit. So, you know, it's, he's no. played nearly 50 games already this season. I'll tell you what, he scored a lot of goals for United and saved the country. So it's not been a, not been no. a yeah. stress-free year for, I have to say, the absolute, um, yeah, yeah the, the absolute shining example and shining light for football um, on and off the pitch this season. Uh, Arsenal, they do, Arsenal, where do we start, basically? I mean, they, you know, it should, uh, in all normal circumstances, I would argue that basically Arsenal would be re- absolute red hot favourites, rather like Man United's, you know, in their respective quarterfinal to beat um, Slavia Prague. But at, at the moment, you just don't quite know what you're going to get, do you, from 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 Arsenal and particularly Mikel Arteta and and and, and what the players are going to give him. I mean, it's just it's a very unpredictable season, and I have to say. Even I, you know, massively banging the drum for Arteta, I still think he deserves time. But I, even I'm beginning to slightly have concerns. You need to show tangible, tangible signs of progress, mm. don't, don't you, guys? I don't know who wants to. And, well, I mean, just 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 briefly, you you you, you pretty said, you know, in that in in that show's introduction, much of what has to be said. You do need to show you get to the stage where what he's had fifty plus. Games in charge now. Mm. Would that be about the number that I imagine yeah. over fifty? Yeah. And you know, you really should be. The signs of progress should be there. Now, don't forget, during that time, you know, he, he has won a trophy. You know, we talk cool. a lot. We blithely talk a lot, don't we? Now about winning trophies. That's what we, you know, often we we judge people on, and whether you should do or not is. You know, it's a moot point to be perfectly honest with you. You know, maybe it is. You know, I mean, when when people sort of sort of um, trumpet a fourth place position in the league as a as an achievement, you know, we 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 tend to pour scorn on them, don't we, and say well, Trump is what it's all about. You know, and and in and in his relatively short time at Arsenal, Mikel Arteta has won a trophy. Um, so you know that, that that's a difficult one, but yes, he should be under scrutiny again. You know, I do think it's far too. I don't know. I wouldn't see the point right now of, of changing things around. What is it? What is alarming is 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 is, is again the word you mentioned. You don't know. You know the inconsistency. You don't know what you're going to get. What was alarming about the weekend, wasn't it? Was just just how spectacularly bad they were. You know, just mm. how 
spectacularly awful they were. Um, you know, which which in essence was probably sort of like um, put into perspective by Real Madrid's um, superiority over Liverpool. So it, it's you know that, that that's what I can't fathom. But then again, if you look at the personnel, you know, and, and funny enough, you you look at that Real Madrid team, you, you know, well, Arsenal are sort of almost looking. Sort of not 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 to him as a savior, but to to Erdegaard, you know, to be a key player for that team. And and there's a guy who's been a long time at Real Madrid. You know, I mean, we, we can all remember him going there. You know, as a as a very young young man, as a teenager, mm, sixteen mm. year old, whatever. And 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 he hasn't been able to establish himself at Real Madrid in all these years. You know, and yeah, he's expected to be um, a leading line for Arsenal. Um, and that just about sort of sums it up. If the quality of the personnel aren't good enough, you know, I looked at that back line on, on Sunday, you know, and it, and it clearly wasn't good enough. You know, it, it was clearly going to concede goals. And, and, and I, think, I think you, John, I, I, I said earlier in the week, you know, there, there is an element of those players having, having to step up as well. Um, mm. But, I mean, yeah, it, 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 is, it, it is, I don't know, it, you just don't know what you're going to get. But I do think it's too early to write off what Arteta is trying to achieve, yeah, but we would like to see more evidence of exactly what he is trying to achieve. Yeah, no, it, John, it, it, it does worry me. You were in the press conference yesterday. Was it my imagination or did Arteta seem genuinely quite hurt by some of the negative comments from Gary Neville, Emmanuel Petit, who came out yesterday and described the club as a, a re- retreat for old players to go on vacation? He, he seemed quite. I, I, I don't know. I, I thought he seemed quite stung by that criticism. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah. Yeah, he didn't didn't admit that, that he was anything wrong, but 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 I think he knows he needs to be better, and he knows. I think he's getting a sense that he isn't doing <laughs> enough to show that there's an improvement. And him just glibly saying, "Yeah, we're doing things behind the scenes," isn't going to wash for much longer. I, I don't know, I just got a, a bit more urgency from him that, that no, I do need, it is getting to a critical point now. Yeah, no, it's an interesting point. I mean, I must say, I, I, he slightly fascinates me, Arteta, in that basically I remember interviewing him on a few occasions as a player, and, you know, Arsenal brought him in at a difficult time as part of the supermarket sweep at the back of the 8-2 defeat at Man United. And, and, and frankly, the, the next three or four seasons they went through, you know, when he was there as a player... There were some turbulent times back in the days when it was a little bit easier to get player interviews than all, all the demands that you get from <laughs> sort of other broadcasters and other sort of outlets. Now, you know, uh, you know, Arteta was often put forward as, as sort of a player to talk during a crisis and be, you know, served up and great and very grateful I was for it. And he was because he was a good talker once a season. You'd get Mikel Arteta, the man for a crisis, to talk, you know, to be a t- provide a tub thumping interview, and would show, I think, emotion and how much he cared. And I really, really to like him both as a player and respect him as an individual and as a leader and I thought then you're going to be a manager because he absolutely cared and he's so passionate and he's so determined so defiant and could you know really felt a knowledge coming through and I just think now what's wrong with showing that as a manager because Matt you do a lot of these you know Arteta press conferences and Zooms he's just so, so afraid to show any emotion isn't he he wants mm. to be hard. No, I understand you've got to be that and you've got to kind of do that a little bit as a manager. But I think fans also liked, like Arteta, or, you know, because he cares and because he is, you know, shows that emotion on occasion. And in recent times, I've felt that less. 
I felt mm. as if he wants to, mm. you know, put on that tough exterior and, you know, n- you know, I'll take it on my shoulders, blame me, it's all my fault. Well, that only mm. washed so much because you well, can that's only... What I'm saying. I thought he was you know, quivering under that and, yeah. and buckling under the strain of holding back the players from mm. these withering attacks. Uh, and I just think, well, actually, you don't have to. You know, get a bit of Jose about yourself. You know, you flip, flip it a little bit. You're allowed to let some of the players yeah, stick to their heads when they're playing as badly yeah. as they are. I mean, obviously, you need to defend them, but, you know, you, you've got to also see the bigger picture. And, you know, it was interesting he said about, you know, players showing passion. And uh, and he said, there's, there's, we won't have anyone who doesn't have passion at this club. Mm. Um, yeah, in the summer is a thing, but but he also said, but it's not obvious when you're showing passion, and and I just think the fans just want to see some people who care a bit more. Mm. That's mm. what Gary Neville was going on about with his little mafia thing, um, and and that's what Emmanuel Petit w- was going on about. And mm. I think f- for a Premier League player not to look as though he cares, that, that's the absolute basic requirement f- yeah. for anybody. Uh, and, uh, and and if you don't do that as a player, you deserve all the criticism you get because you paid enough money to look like you care. You can show it in the wrong way. Um, even that's better than not showing it at all. But but there's too many people in that Arsenal team. There's a, there's a couple of youngsters who desperately want it to, to work and they've been the shining lights this season. Mm. But there's too many people around them that just seem happy to turn up, knock the ball around, same as they used to, you know, under Arsenal, under whatever... And okay, we lose and we're rubbish. We've got next week's month paycheck coming. And there's too much of that at Arsenal. And, and Emery needs to change that. But I think he's going to achieve it by changing attitudes because he's going to struggle to sell some of the players that he needs to get rid of because they have been so poor. So mm-hmm. to, to, to think that a summer transfer market is going to magically change things for him, I think is wrong. He's got to change attitudes in that club. He's got to lead players to b- believe. They're not bad players, some of them. Mm. But they're so far off producing what they need to. He, mm. he needs to, yeah, he needs to have some sort of culture change in that dressing room, which, which we need to start seeing some evidence of. I think for all yeah. these talk of improvements, because yeah, they back, are the worst place in the league, uh, yeah. and they're not doing. And, you know, they need this European run to, to save their season. Yeah, I agree with you. Aubameyang really worries me. We all know what mm. an absolute top class player he is. Absolutely fantastic. He's a passenger against Liverpool, like wasn't he? Oh, I mean, it's just, you know, it's clearly, I, I think if you lose 1% of your focus as a Premier League star, then you lose so much. And I think basically ever since he was dropped for the North London Derby for reporting up late, he has just not been at the races. And you can interpret that how you like, but I do think it's a massive concern. That well, basically, he's basically won them the FA Cup. Yep. Use that to get a massive deal out of Arsenal, mm. which is probably going to be the last deal he gets. Yep. Huge, huge deal contract as a player. And he's just, he just, the tap's just been switched off this season, hasn't it? He just looked a different player, not looked interested, not looked like he cares about the club. It's just, it's just shameful, in my opinion. Yeah, no, well, it is alarming, I have to say. It is quick, alarming. Quick, just, just very. Very, very briefly, John. They, they did can a world class player. Don't forget, you know. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it's just fact, isn't it? You, you know, I mean, yeah. if Arsenal he always put, finds a way. If if, <laughs> if, 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 if Arsenal can afford just 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 simply ignore can being a, a world class player, then then you know they must be great, and and, and evidently not. 
Exactly. Who came out with Playcation? Playcation, no one. Did you just no, see that, Donny? No, um, it was a. Uh, I misheard you. I just thought, I thought what a great line that is. It's a great line. Just... It was a manual petite, but yeah, no, he said vacation. Vacation. I was going to say, oh, you said playcation, yeah, as in a play on staycation and whatever. Yeah, no, the playcation. No, he, <laughs> I was talking, well, I'll use that then. Thanks, mate. He didn't say playcation. I was going to say, manual petite, that would be quite a hard kick. I actually, Donny, I actually thought you'd just come up with it. No, no, yeah, I did. Andy, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, no, but I, I, I thought, thought we were going to move Vendorisms then, footballistically. Yeah. So actually, no, inadvertently, you've come up with it, Andy. So but it is know. great, is it? I, I mean, I mean uh, literally, it, it's, it, it suits it perfectly. Aubameyang is on the biggest playcation going, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel a problem coming on. Certainly. Sorry about that, Anyway. Guys, I'm going to finish... Yes. Right on. We've seen a hilarious thing this week, and I have to say, you know, the sort of the linesman getting the uh, 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 the autograph of of Harland <laughs> after the after the Man City Dortmund game, and even better than that, he's clearly borrowed the referee's yellow card to get him to sign it. I mean, it's <laughs> absolutely, absolutely hilarious. There's a lot, nice line actually from from Rob Harris, our much loved. Uh, uh journalistic colleague, yeah, trouble, uh, commonly known as from 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 AP. I love Rob, absolute top man, absolute brilliant bloke, and um, uh, basically, I think he'd spoken to a Romanian charity, and the, and and the linesman, in fairness, was trying to get it for for charity. But you know, I think there's been a few stories around this the, 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 this morning that basically won't get that opportunity again because I think UEFA might stand him down. But anyway, on a, a slightly light light hearted theme, guys. I want to know what is your most prized bit of football memorabilia? Funny, please, obviously, is preferable. Who would like well, to go? Who I'm, like like I'm going to do my usual trick and go before Andy Dunn. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, it's a story, a brief story, I hasten to add, about what could have almost been a brilliant piece of football memorabilia. So when Fergie was in charge of United for his last game, uh, it was at West Brom, a bizarre game, actually. And after the game, <laughs> I waited for Fergie to appear and uh, I wanted him to sign the programme because I thought that'd be a great piece of memorabilia to have years down the line, pass it on to my son or whatever. So I waited about an hour and lo and behold, he appeared out of the director's entrance and I asked him, I thought, there's no way he's not going to do this. And I got a two-word answer, and he just walked straight past me. <laughs> You're joking. <laughs> <laughs> two-word answer, no chance. No, Walk no straight chance, past me, I'm thinking, all right, okay, thank you. At least he said that. no chance. I was thinking he said something No, else. I didn't say no, no chance. I was going to say, when you said that, I said, why? <laughs> wasn't as polite as that, Crossy. Mm. I'm staggered. I know. But That's just amazing. another thing, um, my granddad... Um, went to the World Cup final in 66 and he was a serving policeman at the time. I don't know if that helped him get a ticket, but I never established how he managed to get a ticket, but he kept the ticket and gave it to me. And I have that somewhere okay. in my, um, in my collect. I don't know. I've moved out about five times since he gave me it. So I don't know. I don't actually know where it is, but I've got it somewhere. And that's a, that's a really nice thing to have. But he waited for Bobby Moore to come out and sign it, and he didn't. He never showed up, Bobby Moore. He didn't well, say no chance. Jeremy, <laughs> but if he'd got Bobby Moore's signature on that ticket, that'd have been yeah, an awesome brilliant. piece of memorabilia. Can, Still can nice I, to have it. Yeah, but if you've got Bobby Moore's signature, oh, Jeff, can I do an Andy Dunn on you? 
Yeah, go on. So basically, my my dad, right, my late father, um, God rest his soul, um, basically, massive football fan, got every single ticket, as you did back then, for all the England games at Wembley. Correct. Uh, obviously went to them all, apart from the World Cup final. Well, we can Inex- come to some arrangement if you want, Chris. Inexplicably, <laughs> inexplicably, inexplicably, he basically didn't go because he felt unwell that day. Oh. And then basically, yeah, I've got an unused World Cup final ticket in its original right. envelope. So he didn't give it up to anyone else to go. He just didn't go. I think it was a bit late in the day. Right. I think he felt genuinely unwell, and then basically it was a bit bit late in the day for all that. Basically, so I was just going to offer you mine for twenty five grand, but there's no point now, is it? Sure, already <laughs> there you go. It's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. I mean, I, you, honestly, you would have had. I mean, you could have yeah. carried me that day. I still, I, you know. I had so many conversations about it, but you, I bet he fell well when he saw the final result. Oh, I bet yeah. he did. I bet he did. Matt, go on. I, don't, I won't I'll, give you I'll the hospital pass. So go on. Because he's because he's such a legend. I'm going to open the remit a bit and make it sports memorabilia. Um, because uh, he gives an excuse to to mention the great Bob Cass, who um <laughs> was in the front row of uh, Jack Nicholas's final open at St Andrews. Um. And uh, we all had the scenes with him on, on the bridge waving goodbye to, to British fans We've, um, and his final round, um, nearly getting a birdie then to, to stay in the cut and, uh, and, and carry on to the weekend and make the whole thing redundant. But, but thankfully it didn't for, for the historians um, because at the end of his press conference that he gave, we're all packed there. Uh, and Bob just stood up with asked the last question for him said, Jack, you know, we've followed you for years. You've been a legend of the game. Uh, and this is normally not something any of us would do as journalists. Um, but you, you, are, you are such a legend. We are all sports fans. Would you mind signing this and put up a, an eight and held up one of the flags mm. from the, uh, the, the replica flags from the thing? Green. At which point, a line formed behind him. Of, of because we're all ultimately the bottom, but we're all sports fans. Um, we're all, uh, you know, I, I, and I think this is fair to say it's not something you do for anyone but a genuine legend. Um, and so we all there was a suddenly a queue of about a hundred journalists waiting to get things signed in the press tent at, at St Andrews. Uh, Jack smiled, signed, signed all of them. Um, I managed to get my Royal Bank of Scotland five pound note signed so that's probably worth about 50 now but um but uh the huge queue um unbeknownst to any of us and certainly unbeknownst to jack there was another golfer waiting to come in to do his interview who was held up for 20 minutes the rna were going absolutely mental saying look come on we've got a scheduled stage for uh, and, and the golfer was saying no no this is jack's moment I want him to enjoy this. I don't want to put any pressure on. And that, and that guy was Tiger Woods. And uh, it was just kind of reminds you that at the end of the day, both sides of the ropes, you know, we're human beings. They are the legends. You know, we're all sports fans. But 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 ultimately, the, the fellow golfers can respect when 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 it is a special moment. Uh, and that kind of, that, that five-pound note is a reminder of, you know, the respect that, top sportsmen have for each other and, and the, ultimately the pedestal that we all put them on, even when we're writing 
rubbish about them sometimes and, and knocking them, trying to knock them off that pedestal. You know, it, it just reminds me why we do the job in the first place. So that, that's a, a particularly fond piece of sporting memorabilia that I have. Oh, very nice too. Andy. We, we, you know what, Cassie, the, the, the great thing about that is the one thing you know about Cassie is that when he was getting that sign, he was getting that sign for someone else. And, that, sure and, was. and that, that was a measure, Bob. He was getting a sign for the local club, whatever. Because do you remember when there was when David Beckham stood down as England captain? And as you would expect from Bex, there were um, obligatory tears. You know, someone peeled a small onion conveniently. And he, there was a couple of tears. There. As he as he left, as he left in tears, Cassie approached him to sign to sign a program for Bob's local golf club or football club charity. Do you know? I mean, just just brilliant. And just quickly going back to that World Cup as well. The tickets. Did you see? Did any of you see, but we'll come back to this at some stage, but, you know, we, we get laminate passes now. Have you seen mm. a World Cup press card? Um, the, the, the World Cup press tickets are absolutely beautiful. If, if, if you if you speak to Jim Mossop or Alex Mons and, and just see the, the, the original, the World Cup press passes, they are a thing of beauty. Lovely mm. little sort of wallet-sized leather embossed process. None of these, you know whatever you call them, mm. lanyards and, uh, and laminates now. But listen, mine's a spoon, a spoon. I mean, I, absolutely my best piece of memorabilia was a spoon. I'll come to that in a minute. 2002, Yuri Geller, Exeter City. I'm dispatched down here to do an interview. If you remember, Yuri is involved in Exeter City. That weekend, he's going to have at the game Michael Jackson, Patty Boulay, if you remember, and David Blaine, if you could find him. <laughs> and... <laughs> It's just one of the weirdest stories ever. And anyway, so Yuri Geller invites me down to his home, a beautiful house in a place called Sonning. I think it was not far from where George Michael lived, a beautiful part of the world. I mean, absolutely stunning, whatever. So go and see it. And just about to leave the house, I think, I've got to take, you know, there's only one thing to take, your, your dictaphone, your, your pen and paper, and obviously a spoon. So <laughs> go down there, talk to Yuri, all these, like, you know, I mean, just literally, you're, you're sat there, as if it's not weird enough, you're interviewing Yuri Geller about Michael Jackson, David Blaine, and Exeter City. It's like, you know, and so at the end, obviously, you know, I mean, right, okay, okay, thanks, Yuri, that, that, that's great. Produce the spoon from my top pocket, right? So he goes, well, ah, hang on a minute, he says, ah, and... and Hang on. So he disappears. He comes back with his own spoon. So I'm like, oh, well, that's clearly like a spoon. <laughs> After much toing and froing, he decides to get my spoon and he bends the spoon. And and, and it, it's one of the best things I've ever seen. He bends the spoon. Then he signs it on the, the, the you know, the cup bit of, of the spoon. And, 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 and I walk away with this. You, you know, the interview was okay, but I've now got the spoon. Of course, you imagine what happens years later. Years later, different people in your household or whatever, eventually one different person in the household finds the spoon, thinks it's not fair. How am I supposed to stir me tea with this? Can't it? What happened to Yuri Geller's spoon? I've strained it. I've mended your spoon, <laughs> And that's it. So, you, so that was, for a long time, Yuri Geller's spoon, mate. You don't often get that. You, you, you're really not beating that. Oh, it's the Patty Boulay link, doesn't he? I don't know, but she sang, didn't she? she <laughs> what? As if the Michael Jackson link was obvious or the David Blaine link was obvious yeah. or the Yuri Geller link was obvious. It was like, I, I don't know. I'm sure she sang a gospel number, didn't she? I I remember, do you remember? Oh, I'm, 
it was, I remember Michael Jackson being asked about England because they were playing Denmark in a couple of days' time. And as you do, you're asking, I think he said they were going to in Denmark. They won 3 0 in the end. But in the answer to the Patty Bouley thing, I don't know, but I do know she sang a, um, a, a gospel. There was 10,000 there at the ground is. St. James's Park, is it? St. James's Park, am I right? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go. And, and there was 10,000 there, and Patty Belay's on the gospel. <laughs> anyway, there you go. You could bend spoons better than they could bend three kicks, by the way. Yeah. D- David Blaine has done a spectacular disappearing act, didn't he? Do you remember he was all the, all the rage? No, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure Danny he was there. Well. and everything, wasn't he? Yeah, that's show know. business, I guess, isn't it? Boom, boom. Um, but anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Strange. Uh, anyway, guys, thanks so much indeed for joining. I once also, by the way, really got good. good. Just quickly, talking of other sports, I once also got a red wine cork signed by Miguel Angel Jimenez, who were talking golf memorabilia. Oh, anyway, that's very good. Yeah, very good. Yeah, good stuff, guys. Thanks so much. Been really good fun. Really, really good fun. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining. And thanks everyone for watching. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Thank you. <laughs>